Welcome to Foozled It, the podcast all about owning things that mess up and not worrying about blunders. We're your hosts, Rebecca Porter. And Charlotte Gohan. All right, Charlotte, what is your foozle this week? Okay, I have a hair-based foozle this week. Yes. It's kind of in the, it's in the, it's in the Venn diagram of hair and embarrassment. Um, it's not pubic hair, don't worry. Um, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I, um, I really love trying out vintage hairstyles. Something I like to do. And um, during the lockdown, it's like, I literally have nothing else to do, but I also have nowhere to go. So I'm just doing all of these hairstyles and then just like living them in my normal housebound life. Living um, your best life by yourself. Living my best life inside, dressed up like a 1950s person. So this week, um, I was like having like a little watch along with some pals and I was like, oh, I kind of want to be doing something at the same time. So I was like, I'm going to try a new method of curling my hair. So I use these rollers that grannies would use put them all in. I put this ridiculous like um, scarf over the top. I just looked perfect. Stupid. Like looked really ridiculous. But in my head, I was like, nobody is going to see me. I'm going to finish this little thing. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to get up in the morning and take it out. Then I'll look like some sort of glamorous 1950s woman. And anyone who happens to see me will be like, oh, look at her. She's got great hair. What I didn't plan on happening is once I finished this watch along, it was about midnight. I went to get some water from the kitchen and my housemates happened to be up having a bottle of wine. Cut to three bottles of wine and some whiskey <laughs> and hours of bouncing around the front room to Celine Dion. Um, I, we went to bed at about 5 a.m. And then at like 10 a.m. there was like a boof, 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 boof banging on the door. I completely forgot that the little man who lives across the road was coming to like fix something in the house. So I like forgot I had the rollers and the headscarf in and like ridiculous pajamas. <laughs> like went down to the door, still half drunk and like half hung over. Opened the door and I was like, hello. And the little man was like trying to talk to me. And uh, he had to take me out onto the street to look at the guttering in our house. So there I was in my like ridiculous pajamas, a head full of rollers and like a little hairnet, like a proper old granny hairnet and I a scarf. love I love that you've got the scarf on I think oh, of that, course. that you have saves to have the whole, you have to have the whole set looking up at some guttering I know nothing about guttering I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna try and pretend <laughs> I know nothing about I'm nodding along so I'm just like when can this fucking end so I can get inside um yeah so I was really embarrassed came inside took the rollers up do you know what Rebecca didn't even look good didn't even look good so it was all just <laughs> just and the, the rollers added to my hangover because they'd given me a headache it was just oh, it was shoot. Right. yeah of course it, it was really just the shittest of timing for me to decide to try the rollers but you I know do, I do love that he needed to show you a gutter situation and when like, I unless show, unless there's like visibly like like a raccoon yeah. made a whole nest yeah. in the gutters that like you can see. I yeah. wouldn't. I, and I mean, cool. I, say, I say gutters. He was just gesticulating towards the house and I was just <laughs> really vehemently nodding like, yes, yes, okay, cool. You've, and then he was like, You've no, just agreed for him to like take half the house down and rebuild. Yeah, I'm going to wake you know, up in the morning and there'll be like no wall or window and he'll be just outside being like, the gutters? I told you about the gutters? <laughs> Um, yeah, so we was, talked uh, about this. I thought this wall this. wasn't quite there. I was going to take it out, and he did look quite shocked when I when he when I answered the door. And at first, I just thought he was shocked because I just was clearly like still quite drunk. But then I think I realised that he was shocked because I looked like a fucking idiot. Um, so yeah, we we know we, we've come closer through the process. I hope. Um, I think that's yeah. It's a really like building. 
building relationships. He's seen me at my worst. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to see me at my you worst. You know what? If that's your worst, it's not that bad. Like, I mean, that's not even. I have yet. been much no, worse. That, that's not even close to my worst. <laughs> when we do, when we do alcohol-related foozles, it will get much worse. Let that me will, tell yeah, you, it will, it will get much worse. What's your um, foozle of the week? <sighs> I didn't think through this, did I? I love it. You're just like, you know I, what, Charlotte? I just had a great week, then. I just had a great fucking week. No, <laughs> no, no. I've definitely messed up. The only thing I can think of right now, and it's it's not something from this week, but just related to to curling hair, is um, I always I have like really really heavy, like thin hair, but like so much of it, and that it's is super exactly the kind super of hair that I have. Lots so you can't really curl thin, it. Lots of it. Yes, that's you why I've restricted these ridiculous methods. No, um, and my mum, my mum used to try when I was much younger. Um, she'd do rag curls. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have tried them. They've been part yeah, of my yeah. life. I thought, you know what? At the age of like twelve, which was, I will send pictures. <laughs> <laughs> very awkward age for little Rebecca I had glasses I had braces I had unibrow and I had really long straight hair down to like my bum because I did ballet so I was like must have long hair but like yeah. it was too much and I didn't know what to do with it so it was just long like in a ponytail but not like a cool not like a cool like Ariana Grande oh. Not a high like, pony. No, 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 like, like at the nape of my neck, yeah. like a nerd. Which, on a, on a, like, what really annoys me is like, you see a lot of celebrities nowadays or like videos on YouTube, like, just put your hair back into a little low pony. And it's like, if I put my hair into a low pony, I look like a rat with a tail. Like it is not yeah. a cool look. Like, unless you have like a swan-like neck, a low pony is really not, is really not doing anything. Or, or like my head, I don't know. I just, I just look like like a, a like my idea of a spinster and there's nothing wrong with being a single older woman totally fine with that but you know that yep. image of like the old spinster who is a spinster not of her choice oh well i look like I look, when i put my hair in a low pony i look like a potato which i think is my irish heritage shining through <laughs> uh, it's really it com- it's really coming at you really coming out there when i do the low pony but i'm i'm when i was little i was forced like any um you know child of, of irish family i was forced to do irish dancing almost as soon as i left the womb i was kind of on the way out they put the shoes on they gave me a little dress and away i went but that meant that you had to have your hair in rollers before like a competition and you would sleep all night in them so imagine like you're seven and then your mum spends an hour on a friday night putting your hair into these really tight rollers and then makes you sleep in them then you have to get up at five o'clock in the morning to go to one of these irish dancing competitions and then your mum pulls them out of your hair and then back combs your hair up so that you're like a literally like a frizzy kind of mess and that's that's before you even put on your freaking dancing shoes what about you know unattainable standards for dancing? that is rough that yeah. is that is now not they, okay now they wear wigs they have curly wigs i was gonna say i have a friend who used to do irish dancing and she had this like fucking massive wig which yeah. i think i'm not sure is better i mean i don't really want to like spend the night like a geisha with the head up on a on a post like trying to keep my curlers in but wigs can be really heavy yeah i can imagine that yeah but then it's a short, sharp, it's just for the time of the dance. That's Whereas true. my thing was like, it was a 24 hour regime that went into it. 
And I remember mm. she used this like setting lotion, which was bright blue. And it was like only like, I felt like it was just me and grandmas who had it in their hair. No wonder I do this now. I'm like going into a past life regression at the moment. But yeah, so she put this like sort of chemically smelling, but bright blue liquid in and then put the rollers in. And so then it would be kind of crunchy, Aww. crunchy, but also frizzy. What a combination. What that sounds great. Like. Yeah, and she wondered why I wanted to get out of Irish dancing. <laughs> do you do you get like flashbacks? Because since I did ballet, I did ballet for about twelve years, um, and it was obviously as this like very nerdy, like unibrow small child, I wasn't in any way involved in my appearance, um, and so the only experience I had with makeup and hair gel and all that sort of stuff was when it was like really overpowering in these big, like the nutcracker and these like big ballet performances. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I smell like hairspray, even, even at like the hair salon, I'm suddenly like PTSD. (laughs) (laughs) Happened! Leave me alone. (laughs) They used to be like, they used to put like the bobby pins in to put your hair in a bun. Mm. Um, And he'd be like, oh, ow, that hurts. And they were like, well, if it goes into your head, it'll stay. <laughs> it's more secure if we can lodge it in your skull. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is, yeah, that is my real memory. Like you'd be, so you'd be at these Irish dancing competitions, and there would, it would just be a sea of 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 young girls and their mothers with their mothers pulling these rollers out of their hair, and the, the girls being like, "Ow, <laughs> ow!" And just a whole row of Irish mothers being like, "Would you stop that? Would you just sit down? It's fine. You're not hurting at all. Sit down there. It'd be, it, we get it over quicker if you stop moaning." And it's like, no. Mom, you're literally pulling the hair out of my head <laughs> so yeah it was a, it was a stressful time i try not to think about it it makes me yeah it does make me feel a bit anxious <laughs> this week's guest was the recipient of the nbc second city diversity fellowship in 2018 and part of the inaugural group of new faces canada at montreal's just for last festival Not content with just doing stand-up, she can also be seen on such TV shows as CBC's Tall Boys and Family Channel's Bajillionaires. Welcome to the show, Cassie Cow and Penny the Cat. Yay! (laughs) Penny doesn't care. She's off like sniffing some shit in the background. (laughs) Penny? Penny, Penny's like, what did you bring me? Yeah, she wants to stay in frame so that she, everyone knows she's still the star, but she's like, no, nah, I'm going to go smell some garbage back there. <laughs> and I really enjoyed, for the listeners who can't see the visual, just as Rebecca was doing the opening, Penny was kind of sort of sitting there like, okay, I'll listen to this bit. And then soon it was like, okay, Cassie's going to start talking. I'm just going to, I'm going to wander off into the background and do my own thing, man. <laughs> Penny Love. is a cat. Just yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, she's busy. She's got her own schedule. She can't be bending to mine. It's fine. <laughs> she's got stuff to do. <laughs> like, you came back and you didn't even appreciate that I have shit going on. It's true. So, it may it's be a true. pandemic, but I have a ton of Zoom dates. Yeah. <laughs> her schedule's full. I'm out here, like, trying to count my hours, being like, how do I get through this day? And she's got appointments all over the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah what what have you been up to in lockdown 
Um, so lockdown was weird for me. Like when we first went into lockdown in March, um, I just went straight into depression. I thought I would get mine out of the way up front, you know? Nice. Yeah. Very organized. Yes. Uh, I, I like to do the hard work up up front. Mm -hmm. I know some of my friends coasted through the beginning of the lockdown and then got sad in the summer. And I was like, you should have done it when there's nothing else going on, you know? (laughs) Now it's summer. I'm glad that I don't have to be depressed now. Done. I know. Yeah. So, so the first few months, I just like went hard depression. Didn't yeah. do anything. Ooh, played so much Pokemon Go. <laughs> and I love that those things go hand in hand. Depression. Yeah, I was playing Pokemon Go. Of course. Of course. Oh, playing Pokemon Go like it was my fucking job. Just like. <laughs> 18 hours a day, sleep Pokemon Go. Like n- now it seems like such a blur to me because it feels like it's been 17 years. But uh, back in March and April, straight up at like two in the morning, I wouldn't be able to sleep. I would check my Pokemon Go and there would be like a Jigglypuff back a couple streets back and I would just put my coat on and go get no. it. <laughs> I love, I love like time means nothing. <laughs> no. I will, I will sleep only when I need to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I got into this group, like this WhatsApp group in my neighborhood of all the Pokemon goers. Uh, They're (laughs) all... Is there a group? Is there a, is there a name for a for a, for a, a gang of Pokemon goers? What is the collective term for a group of Pokemon goers? I, I don't know. I think they're just a, a group chat, or maybe I would call them a depression. But it's a depression of yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like a, a depression of Pokemon goers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But they were great. Like we would all not be sleeping at two in the morning, and we would be like, "There's a hundred percent chancey in the alley back there." And we would all meet up out there in the middle of the night. I got it. <laughs> so you were being like social, but socially distant and physically yes. active. Yeah. And yes. So really, everything that our government tells us to be. Yes. I mean, I was exactly what you were doing. I was coping and I was also achieving a lot achieving. of dopamine every day. And it's like small achievable goals that you can measure. Mm-hmm. You can see yes. how many Pokemon you have. And also yes. I think like, if you maybe think back to like seven-year-old Cassie, like imagine saying to yourself, like in the future, I will be able to get up and leave my house at two or three in the morning to yes. go Pokemon. You'd be like, what the fuck? Like, I know. the future. I was truly the master of my own castle. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a lot going on. <laughs> Um, thankfully in the summer, uh, I, we opened back up into phase two. So, um, Mm. um, most things were still closed, but work started back up. So like TV and film production started back up. So then I got a lot of work and I was so high on it. Thank (laughs) you. I, I booked like really quite a lot of work. I booked a, a couple of TV special, uh, TV specials for stand up, and I booked um, a couple of like small TV things that'll come out next year. And Amazing commercial, and I was like living it. I was just on That's set. You. Honestly, I think I was on set every week for almost like six weeks or something. Well, shit, I did. Congratulations. Yeah. Cassie, the whole time, were you really thinking like, well, these Pokemon, I mean, like, you know, I've already got all the ones in this neighborhood. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Wasting my time here. I was still <laughs> here. my Pokemon Go schedule. It's true. It was tough to switch away from the Pokemon Go, but then I thought, this one makes me money and can pay my rent, so I might, it might just edge it out a little. Yeah, this one pays for my cat's treats. Maybe I need to put the Jigglypuffs down for a bit. <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, Cassie, uh, you didn't even want to go. Penny was like, "Come on, yeah. there's I. This bowl is not going to fill itself." <laughs> it's true. Penny was like pretty annoyed that I've been home the whole pandemic. Like usually we go in cycles because um, working in the kind of job that I do, obviously I'm not very consistent in my schedule. So every mm-hmm. once in a while, I'll have a dead couple of weeks where I just sit at home and I write new stuff, and she gets so mad that I'm on all her chairs. <laughs> <laughs> we really power struggle for seating in this apartment and uh, I lose everything. <laughs> Amazing. I love how you called them her chairs as well. There was, <laughs> there was no pretense that you owned the chairs. And Cassie, so from the stuff that you did in that kind of post-Pokemon Go era, as we will now refer to it, um, are there any like, exciting things that we can like sort of like preemptively promote that will be coming out? Any like teasers that you can give us of the kind of stuff you got up to? Um, I don't think that I can talk about any of the TV shows I booked because my agent told me I'm not allowed to talk about them. <laughs> I don't know why. She's like, they might not air. You might get edited out. And I'm like, they're not oh going to know. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> we might get edited out. Nobody's going to double check on this later. They might as well think I'm hot shit right now. You know, you know what I mean? Live in the moment. Live for the time when you might not get edited out. At the moment, <laughs> yeah. you're the star of the show. <laughs> you know what? Just to be able to talk about being in a TV show and having an agent in the same sentence, yeah. I think it's pretty, uh, it's pretty baller. Thank like you. Like my, my agent who booked me on these TV shows, like that's enough. Yeah, I solely have her for book, for bragging rights. I don't really use her for much <laughs> <laughs> Um but I think I can talk about the uh, like stand-up specials that I did because those are definitely coming out. I'm they can't that. edit you out of those. <laughs> they can't edit me out. <laughs> they tried. Just... It just didn't fly. <laughs> my name's going to be in lights in the background. They'll edit some other guy, some white guy into my <laughs> <Yeah>. spot. <laughs> a bunch of dudes in front of it and your agent is like, I've got to have a tricky phone call with you, Cassie. I'm, I'm sorry, but <laughs> they've gone with Jason Frank. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I was really excited. So um, earlier this year, right before the pandemic in February, I shot a, uh, my first TV taping um, for the CBC in Vancouver, which is now already online. It's on CBC Gem. It's called The New Wave of Stand Up. So that was very exciting. And that was my first TV thing at all. And I was like, oh, those are hard to get, you know? And I was yeah. like, amazing. I did it. Maybe in another couple of years, I'll get another one. Like how exciting. Um, and then I booked two more in the pandemic. Wow. Um, so I've done three TV tapings this year, which has been insane. Um, yeah. So I did one called, uh, it's for John Doerr. It's like the John Doerr show. And I did a set on there. And then I did another one for the Winnipeg comedy festival for which I had to pandemic fly. I did pandemic business flying. Wow. Um, it's very dangerous and exotic for yeah, just the phrase pandemic. Living life on the end. Yeah. They almost didn't let me come home. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you were you knew. almost stuck in Winnipeg. Yeah, and I don't know the if you know worst about place in the world a, to be yeah. stuck. Thank you. It is the parking lot of Canada, I believe. <laughs> to me, it's, no, it's not even the parking park. lot. It's like the parking lot that's grown over behind the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. To me, it sounds like full of like because like um, it just like Winnipeg just sounds like the cutest, like tweest, like you know, filled with trees and like cookies and like, it sounds- <laughs> That's how they get you. No, I think it's like pickpocketers and muggers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, and like minus 40 degrees Celsius. 
Yes, yes, like, yes. So it was. Cold. Yes, I think I went there in October and it was full on snowstorming. Um, and I was telling a guy that I just like some guy that was from Winnipeg and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go like try to get some food across the street. And he was like, it's um, past eight o'clock. You're going to get mugged. And I was like, am I? It's, uh, wh- why, why am I in a hotel where I'm going to get mugged? And he's like, it's all of Winnipeg. <laughs> it's all the hotels. <laughs> because you're in any hotel. <laughs> it's on the brochure. It's the, it's the main <laughs> You get less mugged here. That's why they book you in only yeah. once a night. But the chances are still unbelievably high. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, yeah, Winnipeg was, the city was was rough. It was very cold. I didn't really get to go outside much. But the festival was so great. The Winnipeg Comedy Festival, I'd wanted to be on it for years. Um, it's it's supposed to be just the funnest, like, party of a, of a festival. And everyone's so nice to you. And they treat the artists so well. And uh, they definitely did. This time I had a really great time, but because it was COVID, there was not a lot of like hanging out or post-show activities. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that was really sad. I was, I was sad that I didn't get to do it on a regular year. So I hope I get to go back sometime to redo yeah. it. Oh, I'm sure you are. I'm sure now that they've, now that they've seen you and they're like, she's cool as well. She tried to go outside the hotel to get food. Like this, this girl's <laughs> tough it's as Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went for a run over there just to be like, like I'm tough. I could do it. I could do it. I love it. <laughs> I love this juxtaposition of like your comedy, the ones that I've seen you are like little skirt, like a little A-line skirt, like big glass. And then you're like, no, I'm tough as nails. You want to mug me? I will fucking fight you. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's still the essence of my comedy where I show up and I'm like, hello, I'm so cute. And then I drop two abortion jokes in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck getting those white guys, Jason and Derek to do that when they edit them into your show. Um, so those two stand-up specials I think are going to come out next year and I don't know when they're going to be but I got paid for them already yeah more food for penny (laughs) (laughs) and then since then we've gone back into lockdown so then I haven't really did you did you start the cycle again like okay we're going back into lockdown I have (laughs) I have like a system that works so like dep- depressive okay you guys i'm retired from pokemon go i'm <laughs> announcing it on this podcast. oh my god hot take guys oh my Whoa. god i can't believe you wouldn't bring anything just dropping I, it on the I'm, show i'm sorry i just i can't do it anymore i had a good run but i gotta <laughs> i gotta move on to something else in my career. you know what you gotta end on a high you gotta like you've achieved <laughs> You want to retire victorious, don't you? But what, yeah. a, what a crushing blow to the, the Pokemon Go, the depression Community. of Pokemon Goers. I mean, yes. you know, you would the, just, you know, stand down at this quite important time. Honestly, I don't know how they're going to make it through without me, yeah. to be honest. But uh, I believe in them. I just, if for my, it's not them, it's me, you know? Mm-hmm. I just have to do something else right now. And if you've been uh, impacted by uh, Cassie leaving the Pokemon Go community, there will be some numbers at the end of the podcast. Please do reach out to us. Um, we will try and fill the void for you somehow. I have a support line. It's okay. And this episode is sponsored by the depression of Pokemon Goers. <laughs> I actually, um, somewhere in the, in the summer fall, I went through a pandemic breakup. Oh no. As everyone does. And, and then I went through a phase of manic pandemic dating. And that was fun. Very dangerous. 
MPD. How do you pandemic date? Is it like all on Zoom or were you like taking your life into your own hands and like actually meeting strangers? Listen, man, if they're hot enough, yeah, you got to take a risk, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You got to run the numbers. You got to run the numbers. No pain, no gain. Yes. You got to do some calculus in your head. You're going to be like, how tall are you and how hot are you? And you have a job. I don't know. Let's see. I love it. What are you offering me? Really come. Mm -hmm. This is like putting your economics into real, like, you know, use on the, you know, in real life. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, a very specific cost-benefit analysis. You have yes. to be like, where am I in my cycle in my period? Oh, okay. Are you offering yes. me food or just a tea? <laughs> yeah. You know, like you got to oh, balance. Why are you? Yeah. yeah. If you could, if you, oh, if you, no, they're gonna travel to me. I'm <laughs> Send me that, you know, that formula that you have, so that I can yeah. just plug that into my own life, and I would really appreciate. It. Okay, all right. Work. We'll put That's the a- formula into the show notes so everyone yeah. can access it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll write that up for y'all. Excel sheet spread it to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really appreciated. We're not we're not condoning getting to know strangers personally during a pandemic, but if it happens to happen, let's just you make know, sure you, we're taking the right risks. Of course. Yeah. Let's make Although, sure you're high. I would say I did enjoy pandemic dating. I thought it was very fun. It was very, um, uh, it was more engaging. It was, uh, it was like extreme dating, you know, more engaging than regular dating. All the amateurs are gone, right? (laughs) Fair, fair, fair. fair. Eight months into a pandemic. Real deals. Yeah. Listen, if you're not looking for true love, you're out of there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's not in it to win it. Yes. It's done. So your, like, your, your, your field is already, you're already playing on a good field when you Absolutely. Get I think you show up and it's all winners, you know, it's yeah, like yeah, you yeah. went to a, like you went to a, you know, like a school that was already pre-selected for all, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like not, not the school I went yeah. to basically, like, <laughs> the school like, like my bosses went young to. Age. <laughs> Yeah, so so I, I loved it. I thought everybody was very serious. And also, like, eight months into the pandemic, they've sorted out their things. They've had time to work through their own issues yeah. and be <laughs> introspective and be like, what is it that really, like, is fills the hole in my heart? You know, I love that. I love that you've done some homework. I'm- you've done some work on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> was there any... Um- uh, like lowering of standards. And I asked because I used to work at a camp and mm-hmm. we would be at the camp for two months. So like all of July and then all of August and July 1st was lowered standards day because you've been at camp for a month already. So now you're getting desperate. <laughs> <laughs> kind of do that thing where you pick like the best of the bunch. <laughs> you're kind of like, yeah, you're like, right. you're like, I don't fancy anyone. And by day 20, you're like, do you know what, Dave? You, you are know what? Organize it. <laughs> Dave could work. Dave could be okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love Dave. Okay. You, you know what? I, I went the opposite way because I had been in a relationship for most of the pandemic. So I wasn't like jonesing for it or anything. <laughs> I had, a, I had been crushed by repeated failure. <laughs> it, if anything, maybe I was just the beneficiary of lower standards. <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You are high quality. <laughs> To be fair, the first day I logged back onto Tinder, it felt like I walked into a room where all these men were like, oh my God, a woman. Hello. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) It felt like they had burned through every other woman and they're like, oh no, we've been waiting for you. (laughs) You were like the second wave of Pando babes. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. And I suppose there's nothing like the crushing realization that like we all, like 
obviously we, we all can always, always die. Like that's always been around really ever since we were born, but like never so much has that been in our face of like, if you have a bad day, it's like, well, you know, we're still alive and we might not be. So that, that yeah. kind of probably adds an element of like, oh, well, fuck it. Like if it's not the best date in the world, you know, it's, it's, I spent some time. I wasn't doing anything. I would have just been sitting at home, you know? Yeah. I think that with pandemic dating, first of all, I said no to so many more people than I usually do. And I felt so powerful. <laughs> yes. just, just love saying no to men. It really gets me off. You know? Oh, it really is great. <laughs> That's almost as good as going on the good date. No, I would like, I would do some Zoom dates with people and then they would be like, do you want to go for coffee? And I would just be like, you know what? I didn't feel like we had enough of a connection for me yeah. to go out into the pandemic, nice. but good luck to you. It felt so scary. But then I was like, I'm so powerful. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm I good all the cards. Well. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty good. But I actually think for standards, I think I went the other way because I feel like in the past, pre-pandemic era, I used to be very, um, like it's so fast on online dating, right? Mm, so you yeah. kind of don't really have that much time to chat. So you base it a lot based on like, how hot you think they are or like how fun the dates are or whatever. And then you don't, re and then I got into a couple of scenarios where I would like date somebody for a few weeks or a few months. And then I would go, Oh, I don't really like talking to you. <laughs> Which like, Oh, what are you going to do yeah. when you're like, Oh, you're an idiot. I didn't find out. in time. Yeah. I've wasted three months of my life. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, one time I dated a man for four months before he told me he didn't read books. And I was like, oh. like, it, like, Wait, what? Like books? <laughs> like, so sorry, explain sorry, Rebecca, I don't understand. What is, what is about? <laughs> sorry to break it to you, Cassie, but Rebecca doesn't read. No, he, he told me. So awkward. There are so many men who, who lie about reading. I like don't understand how this is a thing. <laughs> One time I dated a guy who told me he read, and then a couple of dates later, he, uh, he clarified that he read Reddit. And I was like, Oh, it's like I read road signs. No, that's not the operative verb. Do these topics of conversation come up naturally? Like, like you guys what? are talking and you're like, oh, like I've just been reading this book. And he's like, oh yeah, I also read. Yes. More wine, please. Or, or do you ask, like, are you well, like, I'm a big reader and it's really important that my partner reads. Do you read? Like, how, how well, does this come up? To be honest, like, it didn't used to be important to me that my partner reads, but now I'm like, I'm sorry, I guess you, you gotta know how to read. Like, <laughs> I didn't, I, what is, I wasn't planning on putting this in my subset of criteria, but like, you gotta read, you gotta have two arms, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> you now have like a little tick, like maybe like as well, because, because there's like, you don't want to waste more time. It's like maybe just having a little questionnaire that like a little Google mm. form, yeah. you send out ahead of time just for yeah. everyone's benefit. Just yeah. like, you know, what are your opinions on this? You know, yes. what, you know, what do you think about my cat? What do you like to do? <laughs> You know. Yeah, in, in the pandemic, I've really had to, I think it's been um, a lot easier with the BLM protests and all that stuff too, to just be like, do you like cops? Do you think black people yeah. are people? Do you think gay people should die? What do you think about social welfare? Like, do you love money? Like, you know, you, know, yeah. you, you just have to be like, send out those questions and just see what happens. And see what comes back. Yeah, because love, even if, even if they're lying, you want to know that they understand what the correct yeah. answer should be. And that they know, that's yeah. exactly what yeah, it is, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's like, just, just to be aware, like, are you aware of these, like, basic fundamental things? Are you on yes. the right side of this line on these Yes. Questions? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I don't have any, like, super
super big epic stories otherwise I would have I'm sure you do but that's fine but I I want to say up front just hilarious all the time no no I want to say up front I bomb all the time if I go too long without bombing if I go a full week without bombing I like don't feel good I'm like (laughs) I'm not this funny everyone's lying to me and I get very paranoid Usually, especially pre-pandemic, when I was um, working a lot, I would perform at least like five nights a week type of thing. Um, And every once in a while, like a lot of shows in the city are just open mics, so you'll go and like bomb your face off anyway, right? Um, But sometimes you'll get a run of like really good, like well-produced shows that are like a little bit bigger and everybody, and like well-marketed and all the people are like excited to see you and I'll go a full week just killing. Yeah. I'll be like, I hate everybody. I'll be like, I hate all my jokes. There's no way everyone thinks I'm so funny. What are you hiding from me? I like don't need this shit from you. I don't need to be patronized, you know? And then I get like, ooh, real inside my own head. And then I got to go to like the dumbest um, open mic, like at the back of a bar with two people on their phones and try new material and then I'll bomb. But then I'll get one laugh out of them and I'll be like, you're honest people and I like you. I love it. I love that. Like the people who were genuinely like, this woman is hilarious. Like I'm really pleased with her. Like laughing along at all your jokes. I'm like, I fucking trust you. I no. Piss off. And then yeah. the people who were like, one laugh. You're like, thanks guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the real heroes. I know, I know where I'm from and come from. Um, so yeah, so I do, I try to, I try to bomb like healthily a couple times a week. Um, especially if I'm working on new material, if I'm doing new material and I just kill, I'm like, there's no, there's something wrong with this. Like someone's either already done this joke before or like I'm falling into a weird like stereotype territory. I don't like it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, that's, a, that's a really like, good guys, point. Like wait for me to polish this up. Like if you're laughing yeah. now, like what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Especially I think the scene in Toronto, I don't know if it is like this everywhere else, but it's shifted a lot since I started doing stand up. And when mm. I was um, really coming up through the open mic circuit, the open mics were so open and like there weren't really any rules that everybody came in and out of every single show. But in the last few years, in our scene especially, since all the all the stuff, well, I'm not going to rehash the news, but all the stuff has oh, happened. Yeah. Um, our scene has really fragmented a little bit into different like sub scenes, and so everybody got really obsessed with creating safe spaces and stuff. And I, I'm not like shitting on that. I think that's really good to have spaces where people feel comfortable doing stand up. but then those audiences are cultivated for those sub scenes as well. Yeah. Right. And, and I actually find it a lot harder to really work um, across all of those um, scenes. Cause then you don't get such a mix of audiences. Like you're always in one show with like all women and you're like okay well I know how to play to a crowd of all women but how do you play to a crowd with like a varied audience and yeah that as mm-hmm. much anymore here it, or it's harder to find you know yeah, so that's so interesting isn't it of like because you you kind of want your craft to be able to like work across different people and I suppose especially mm-hmm. when you're like doing new material you kind of want to see who is it reaching in the room mm-hmm. and you kind of want to push boundaries a bit of like you don't just want the people who completely are in your lane and agree with you and the things yeah. that you talk about you don't just want to reach them like you kind of want to reach the other people too and like yeah because yeah, if you're always playing to those safe spaces as much as it's really nice it must yeah you don't quite get the feedback loop that might help you to like definitely and I think um everyone is so prone to falling into their own thought bubbles where like I'll think something's really obvious and the nice thing about stand-up is you can say something that's so obvious to you and it bombs and then you go home and think like oh like what is it that other people believe that isn't what I believe and you can adjust 
how you present your point of view and make it more compelling and accessible. But then, um, you know, often because of my comedy and my experience and just like the way that I look, often I'll get booked on shows that are already pretty progressive that are, you know, really catered towards POC audiences and women and things like that. And then suddenly I'll be in a room where everybody already understands me, Mm -hmm. which is like a really validating, like wonderful feeling. But then you get lazy after a bit, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Like, Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, but a bombing story. So I have one. <laughs> I just have one that kind of stuck with me from a few years back when I was just starting. I was not good, and I was hustling these open mics in the truly in the middle of the night. It was like midnight, and I would still be like on two more lists to go. Um, I was at the worst show in Toronto. It doesn't exist anymore, but it used to be called the Bucket Show, where there was no list. You just put your name in a bucket, and people draw your name out. Oh, so you could be sitting there for hours. Like that show ran for six hours, and you don't know when your name's coming out of the bucket. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, there would be enough shows nearby that you can kind of like run from one show to another and check if you got your name taken out of the bucket, but mine never got taken out of the bucket. So it was the end of the night and uh, I was on another show where I got heckled and I got heckled by a woman who... I think these are the most difficult hecklers to deal with are the positive hecklers. Um, Just for me, like if you look at my face like, I feel like most hecklers understand that if they actually heckle me, I will cry on stage. So they don't really, <laughs> I, don't, I don't invite a lot of like friendly heckling. <laughs> I don't seem like the personality to handle it well. <laughs> I just like the idea of you going in and putting little cards on the table. And saying, if you heckle, I will cry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but um, I think that everybody understands like, implicitly. <laughs> so, So I often, the people who heckle me the most are actually usually women who like think that they're encouraging me, like drunk women will just go like, you go girl, you can do it. I believe in you. Just like say whatever you want to say. You're so brave. I'll be like, I'm trying. I'm trying. I was doing that. That is exactly what I used to be doing until you interrupted me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so those women, and they're so difficult to deal with, too, because you can't just be like, shut the fuck up, because then everyone's like, oh, but I guess she was being nice. Like, you know, mm-hmm. then you don't want to hurt their feelings. So I think they're so difficult to deal with. And at the time, oh, I was so trash at comedy. I, like, didn't even know what to do. But <laughs> but it's it's open mics, right? So you've only got five minutes. And you're trying to work on something, and this fucking lady is trying to encourage me through it. <laughs> <At> the time. <laughs> So she just like wiped out my whole set just by like yelling encouragements at me. And then I just like gave up my, my mic time. And then as I was like trying to leave through the bar, she kept trying to talk to me and I was like, no, absolutely not. So I like ran away from her to the bucket show. That was my last show. And I just like wanted to get my last set done. (laughs) And she followed me. Oh my God. And I was like, lady, I'm just trying to workshop these terrible jokes for four people that are left in this bar. Just like, let me get through them. And she, oh my was, God. she was my biggest fan. <laughs> I watched them in She's like, I'm just here to support you. Oh I'm just God. here for you. And you're like, <laughs> right off. Leave me alone. <laughs> Oh my god! And yeah. did you like, did you did you get to talk to her after that show? Like, did she try and accost you again? Well, no, I didn't want her to become my friend. Like, that's the, <laughs> this is the trajectory we were working down already. <laughs> 
and she's now your agent and it's just all worked out for the best she knows the best show to get you into she really talks you up yeah did she, that... did she heckle you in the bucket bucket show yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah she can't like I, the thing is the bucket show is so sad too right because there's no one in there it's just the the other comics whose names are still left in the bucket trying to check if their name is coming up <laughs> there's no audiences it's past midnight everyone else is just outside drinking like the outside bar is way louder than the room. <laughs> and uh she like walked in she's really excited to yell at me it was a lot it was a lot <laughs> I just love it. I'd, yeah. I'd really love if she just, from then on, like, you, even she just came to all of your gigs. She's <laughs> always in the back with a glass of Chardonnay, just like, yeah, she's great. <laughs> Why have she left and she's great? <laughs> Oh my gosh, she would say that. She would tell, okay, she did that. She was like, mom, she's, like, you're, she's like, you're so funny. Everybody shut up and listen. And I was like, don't shut up. You can laugh if I'm funny. <laughs> and I was like, the only person to shut up is you. <laughs> I put my name in a bucket to be here. What have you done? <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't know if you remember when, it, when you were nobody and not getting booked on anything and all you were trying to do is like get a five minute together that you could show anyone. And like stage time is so precious because you're, you've signed up on a list and you're waiting three hours to get five minutes of stage time and you like bust all the way there. You've like dedicated like eight hours to do yeah. five minutes that night. And for that, for that time to be like robbed from you, you're like, I just need this one joke to work. <laughs> please, please. You're like, yeah, you're like, I just have so little going on in my life right now. You know what I mean? I really need this. <laughs> I need I, do, I need to be alone in the room with these two guys and them yes. to decide for themselves whether they want to laugh at me or not. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't need you being like soccer mom at the back, like, come on, just come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And have you ever seen her since? No. I no, I don't think so. I, I feel like I've met her spirit along <laughs> at other shows, you know? But I don't think this woman in particular... <laughs> The spirit um, of Susan yeah. comes back. But generally speaking, my hecklers tend to be, like, I, I, I get jealous sometimes of male comics who get, like, fun hecklers, like, people who just, like, want to answer their questions or, like, quip, like, a funny thing they can riff off of. Yeah. Mm. That never happens to me because men are scared to heckle me, which, again, good, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> But most of the time, I would say like 70, 80% of the time I get hecklers that are just drunk women who want to encourage me. And that's like, especially if they're like older white women, there's a weird power thing that happens yeah. there where you can't really shit on them because then the rest of the room isn't on board. Yeah, so yeah, there, yeah. There has, yeah, like if usually if they're a white woman, I have to really hit the POC card really hard and really like dig in. But uh, otherwise it, it's really tricky. It's a really tricky scenario. And then the other like 10, 20% of heckling that I get are from true racists, like people with hatred in their hearts. Oh, shit. <laughs> and, and then you're like, oh, okay. You're like, bring, I got to back. Bring Karen back in. <laughs> Karen, I need you. I need some positivity, please. Yeah. yeah. Then those people you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to riff about this, but I will need security when I get yeah. off stage. <laughs> Oh my god! Like what? A, yeah, like, and I suppose that's just the thing of like the vulnerability of just like going out there every night, and like every yeah. time you hear someone like pipe up from the audience, and like you know you're in that zone, and you've got your you've got your like agenda of what you want to get across, and you've got the jokes yeah. that you want to try out, and the bits that you want to try out, and then like having to switch your brain into like fuck, someone someone's yelling something at me, yeah. like, and then making that decision of 
is this something that I can like quickly get on board with and we can have yeah. a laugh about or actually is this something that is not appropriate and I have to like steer myself and the entire rest of the audience away from this person until I can kind of deal with it later yeah I I'm I'm not a very good crowd work comic um I think it's so impressive when other people do it but I decided pretty early on that I was just gonna focus on writing and delivering like written jokes and I'll do some crowd work if it's necessary to like address something that's happening but otherwise I don't really work very hard on it um so when these sorts of things happen like I have a very limited like a scenario list in my head you know like you go through a little rolodex of like who's heckling me what can I say there's like four options in my head so if like anything too out of the blue happens then I just get very like deer in headlights and I'm like you made it out should I just ignore it Will it just go away on its own? Maybe someone else will say something. <laughs> I hope you do that out loud. Like, just like, is it still happening? <laughs> like, a, like a kind of like... Will somebody else like that? <laughs> yeah. Like, on a screen behind you, like, is the person that's shouting at me yeah. a racist? No. Okay. Is it a yes. woman who's drunk? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the response. Yeah. I think, I think that would work. I think that would work really well. I have a little Like, like to all shows, just like bring a little like whiteboard. Yeah. Like, uh, one second. Okay. Uh, racist? No. Okay. <laughs> is it, is the Karen? Yes. Yeah. Is Karen drunk? Karen, are you drunk? <laughs> Slower yes. than <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, but I always know, like, end of the day, if I don't know how to deal with it, I'll cry. I'll just cry and it'll work. <laughs> you always have that in the back pocket. <laughs> I did that. Yeah. Is know. it funny? Do people laugh at you when, when you cry? Because that's a bit concerning. No, but at that point, I don't need them to laugh. I just want them to like me, you know? <laughs> I just want them to like feel sorry for me and like me. I'll take that. <laughs> I mean, in the end, the laughter is also a pathway to having people like me. <laughs> yeah, it's all validation, yeah. isn't it? However, yeah. it does. <laughs> I'll just take it. <laughs> yeah, there was a show in Toronto that again, it doesn't exist anymore. But when I started up, it was called the Danger Room. And it was um, at this club downtown that was like full of the broiest dudes. It was like, the club was really cute. The audiences were great, but like the club environment was like very broy and like mm. scary. Uh, and a lot of female comics kind of like uh, boycotted that space. And I used to go for their show called The Danger Room, which was a heckler's show. So people would pay tickets to come in and heckle the audience. Or the audience would come in and heckle the, the comics, and I was encouraged. And if they were too polite, because they were Canadian, um, <laughs> <laughs> the comics that ran the show in the back of the room would heckle you, and they would be meaner than everyone. Oh my God, they're, they're like professional hecklers. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so I would go do that room if, like, I just wanted a little bit of practice with dealing with hecklers. Like you never really go into that room trying out material. You're really just trying to to do it. But that's kind of where I found out that nobody wants to heckle me in a good natured way. You know? <laughs> like, it's it, a useful training ground to just be like, I'll go and put myself in this space mm -hmm. for a night just to practice on my batting skills of like, how can I? Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I did think it was fun. It was pretty exhausting. Like, you're so scared. You're, like, mm-hmm. terrified on stage because you know it's happening. <laughs> you signed up for it. Yeah. yeah. And, and like I said, like, some of the time, if, if I went too late in the night and it was all the stragglers, like, think of the people who want to stay past, PM, uh, past 10 p.m. at a show like that. Like, they're just actual people who need to yell at someone. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they have... They have a clue. Like, they have, like, <laughs> real problems in their life that they're trying to sort out. <laughs> yeah, so then people would actually just yell, like, racist stuff at me that you can't really spin it in any way. You're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, um, okay. Yeah, but the, but the man who ran that show was really always very lovely to me. And he, mm. you know, when I started doing that show and I would be... Oh, terrified out of my mind. Um, he would always go like, "You tell me if you want to go earlier on or later on, and like, you know, if you if somebody if something gets like super out of hand, like I'm gonna handle it. Like, don't worry and all that stuff." So that was really really lovely and wonderful. Like, I thought the show was really well run in that way. But the 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 you know the perception of that show was not not great. <laughs> bit terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, but I, like I think that's really interesting though, because I think like because there's like a lot of like talk in the like community, like in the UK and like Ireland about kind of like um, like young women in the comedy scene and like quite predatory men, but then also the the non-predatory men who are at those shows, at those gigs, who run those shows and run those gigs, who aren't doing enough to just maybe just do those tiny things like you've just said of just being like from the beginning, like mm-hmm. laying down some rules for you and being like, if you need this, if you need that, if you want to go on early, if you want to go on late, if you're having any yeah. trouble, like. Yeah. And it's like a big conversation at the moment of like, there doesn't seem to be enough of those people. There yeah. are too many of the complete opposite dickheady predatory people. Yeah. And then there's a few kind of non-predatory people who are like stand up for them. And there's a lot of these kind of hazy bystanders, which you get with everything, I suppose, who kind of don't really know yeah. how to, you know. Mm. I, th- I think it's so hard uh, being a woman in comedy, especially, you just, you just don't know you just don't know because everything is so different, like perception to reality, right? Because everyone's job is to put on some kind of persona on stage. And in my personal experience, I've actually found like a lot of the more decent male comics are guys who really don't like their, their persona or images are not always the most um, appealing, you know, and, and everybody kind of doesn't like them and they say some weird things on stage, but then they're nice to you individually, especially when you get them away from the rest of them. Yeah. Like there's a thing about men when they get in crowds where they become shitheads. Yeah. <laughs> the herd mentality. <laughs> yeah. But if you peel one back on their own, like sometimes they're fine. <laughs> if there's but a weak it, one that can't run as fast as the other and you manage to pull him over to yeah. one <laughs> Yeah, it's like if there's like a pack of like angry wolves and you get one on the side and you're like, I can do your hair and put a bow on your head. You know what I mean? You can like braid you. Um, like the lame wolf. Yeah, and, and and obviously like you have to try to limit, like, like put really strict boundaries on what your interactions are and not like blurry a lot of those boundaries. But it's really hard. I feel like being a female comedian, you're just constantly you're like constantly vigilant about like who's a bad guy what the rumors are like what people are doing where they are where the exit plan is like you have to try like I've definitely given myself like big trust issues from working in comedy uh and I I always say being a female comedian is 10% writing jokes 90% keeping a list of comics you're not going to take a ride from anymore (laughs) (laughs) like the exit plan for the venue like okay that's where the back door is i see yeah Yeah, you gotta know you gotta know who's got your back you gotta know like what to do if some shit goes down 
whose fault is it anyway? This is the part of the show where we assign blame for you just having a really bad experience with Karen. Um, okay. And Charlotte, do you want to go first? No, I'm thinking about it. I'm going to blame <clears throat> kind of like the corporate world and the, the kind of variety of training they have to use to fill space on like an away day. So, you know, mm. like in the corporate world, it's like every now and then what you have to have an away day and there has to be some element of like fun or like self-development involved. So I'm imagining that this lady who was like spurring you on, I'm imagining that for some reason, you know, maybe, she, I don't know, she works for a big bank or whatever, or she works in business and they had a team mm. away day and they were meant to do like orienteering or like um, tree rubbings or something, but the weather was bad. So they had to think of something they could do indoors. So they did like an empathy workshop. Yeah. And it was all about like, you know, bringing people up and like supporting people and like, how can you do that? How can you use your words and your actions? You know, just trying to get all these business people to like, you know, think about other people for a while. So she did the workshop and then they were like, guys, what you need to do this week is here's a postcard because this is what they always do. They always make you send a postcard to yourself. I don't know if you've ever been in one of these trainings. And the postcard was like, send yourself a note to remind yourself that this week you need to speak up and speak out and be empathetic towards somebody else. So she sent it to herself and then, you know, she came to the show and she was like, I'm going to get my postcard out. And that is what made her vocalize mm. all of those things and steal, you know, steal your, your stage time. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to blame, yeah, corporate away days, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that makes a I lot think of that's sense. that's a good one. It, it also reveals I... to me that you've been to a lot of these corporate <laughs> workshops. It's very detailed. <laughs> So I used to work in the charity sector and I would often be involved as, as the fun element of somebody else's away day. So uh, I feel like I can speak from experience. <laughs> the postcard thing is actually a great, a great way to get people to take away a message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that felt extremely authentic. I was really <laughs> enthralled in this world you were building. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Um, I, so definitely not my parents like not not like 80s parents but i feel like parents from the 90s got really into like positive encouragement and also like like teachers like there was this whole like almost epidemic of like we really need to build the confidence of our children and so like no one got to fail out of school anymore even if they were supposed to and really weren't smart and didn't know how to read Hence your dating problems, Cassie. <laughs> um, and, uh, and you just had to like, like participation badges for everything and, and just like constant, like you're a good person. Like, like as long as the child is confident, they'll do well in life. And Karen, bless her heart, never had children. But she was, she was a teacher for a little bit. So she was really involved in this. And then... And then unfortunately she went to the corporate world because she realized teaching just doesn't pay very much. She wanted more money and she just like, couldn't, she couldn't like get that sort of confidence building that she was so used to getting. And because she didn't have children, she had no outlet. And so when she came to your open mic, she saw you and she was like, that child <laughs> needs love. And I am the only person. She clearly doesn't have parents. She must be lonely. Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, and That's I am the all. only person to, to give you the confidence that you clearly are lacking um, being a stand-up comic. I mean, that makes sense. And it's true, you know? Mm. 
She no, read the her room. Parents she also read the confident. room, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's annoying, but she's incredibly astute. Yes. <laughs> she's got it. She's on it. Um, think, I, I'm going to blame uh, cheap wine and uh how wine companies are trying to save money by lowering down the alcohol and replacing it with sugar (laughs) too much sugar in chardonnay these days you know makes you feel good it gives you that kick right up top and then you mix it in with some club (laughs) fries and then you don't stand a chance it's basic biology you've read those studies that are like grease and sugar together is the same as having cocaine it's a chicken time bomb she just got so high off of of the wine and the fries and we were in a dark space that made her feel safe (laughs) it's like it was like a womb almost warm and dark Absolutely. And she was like, I feel so good. I feel like everyone needs to feel good. And and I get it. Sometimes when I'm on stage, I get swept up in it too. And I'm like, I should just shout, you know? <laughs> Except that the, you know, the spotlight is on me and it's appropriate. But she, <laughs> but she was like, I've had a couple of classes. I'll do it too. <laughs> she had her own spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> the Chardonnay spotlight. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else you want to say before we close out, Cassie? Um, I'm, I'm very active on the internet because uh, I'm not allowed to be active in real life anymore. <laughs> um, so if you would like, I would love it if you wanted to follow me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at the Cassie Cow um, on all the things. And I tweet a lot of jokes. Some of them are sad, but it's fine. Some of them are funny too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Instagram has a lot of pictures of my cats. If you didn't like me, follow me to see my cat. <laughs> I won't even be on it that much. Don't even worry. <laughs> it's more, you're just the puppet behind the account. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, I, I also have a podcast. I, I made a pandemic podcast like everyone else, but I promise it's better than other people. <laughs> um, it's called I'm Not Mad at You. It's a podcast I do with my friend Grace. We're both comedians. And every week we find uh, disputes on the internet, people who are angry at each other, and we solve all their problems with uh, all of our um, hyper vigilant stress management techniques we've learned from our therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, and, and I have a website, CassieCow.com. There's nothing on it right now, but once things happen, my dates are usually on there. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Amazing. Thank Thank you so much for joining. I'll put all of the links in the show notes so Mm. people, you know, know how to spell your name and stuff. Sometimes you do something that sits in the pit of your stomach. And when that happens, look at yourself in the mirror, take a deep breath, and remember, we all foozle at some time.